0: family has been spearheaded by the dark forces of evil who successfully distract men as fathers from their one essential God-given duty as fathers, and that is to protect, to discipline, and to instruct their children. If your role as a father is unclear, then you really belong to the enemy's forces. You're on the wrong side. But if you do truly understand and obey the command God has given to every man who has ever sired offspring, then you become the bulwark of defense against the godless enemies of our government, the globalists, and all the world's great deceivers. So being a father is Crucial. It is extremely important. The evil world truly does fear the power of genuine fatherhood. This is Unity Without Compromise. I'm Dr. Steve LaTulip, and I am so very happy to have you join me today for a word of encouragement and admonishment from a fellow patriot, father, grandfather, and Christian. Now, just what does God's word say and what does it not say about being God's kind of father? Because that's what I want to discuss today. I want to really get into it, dig a little bit deeply and celebrate fatherhood today since we are this weekend celebrating Father's Day. So I'm very glad to have all the fathers here with me but I hope the wives and all the rest are listening, too. Now, before we get into the good words that come from God's word, we need to really understand what the world is saying about fatherhood, because what the world says about fatherhood is an absolute lie. The world, and this even includes the best scientists in the world, the great researchers from our great medical institutions. uh, It includes the president, it includes so many politicians, and of course, all the woke society that has bought into believing the lie. What is the lie? Such things as men can get pregnant. Now that's just a bunch of nonsense, but that's what the world says about fatherhood. Men can get pregnant. Fathers, you can be a mother, you can have a baby. The world will tell you that women can be fathers, and that also is an absolute lie. The world says that the government should be the teacher, the instructor of your kids. This is what Joe Biden recently said at an event that was to elevate the teacher's in our Department of Education, in the school system, the very teachers that are perverting the minds of children with pornography, with all kinds of uh, Marxist theory, the ones that are brainwashing the kids are telling you that they are the ones who should be the parents. And that's where father's protection really comes in. But the world says that fatherhood is exactly the opposite of what God says. And we must recognize that Joe Biden and his words exposes him as an absolute idiot. And believe me, I'm not saying that as an insult, but as a fact, look up the word idiot. It derives from a stem word Uh, that I I won't define it. I would challenge you to look it up yourself because Joe Biden is an absolute idiot for what he says. And unfortunately, in our world, there are many idiots because they don't discern truth. They have no ability to speak the truth. And therefore, what they will tell you about fatherhood is all wrong. They cannot get it right. They do not see, they do not hear the truth. And therefore, they are incapable of speaking anything but lies. And we must fully appreciate the harm that they can cause. Because if you're listening to the world, what they are telling you about being a parent, you are screwed. You will never get it right. Joe Biden says your kids belong to everyone. That is a lie. That is deception. Your children belong to you, the parent, the father and the mother, the male and the female. That is what we are told. Now, get this. Hillary Clinton wrote a book, right? It Takes a Village. That's the title. What, Hillary, to raise a child? Does it take a village to raise a child? That's ridiculous. It is is pure nonsense. But we have been led to believe such a thing. And Hillary Clinton knows that. And so Hillary wants to deceive the world that your children can enter the world of pedophilia, the world of sexual abuse of children. That is what your government is doing and wants to do to our children right now. That's what they are doing in the schools. That is what they are pushing for so that they can destroy a generation of children. And it is the ultimate responsibility of fathers to intervene. The Department of Education teaches nothing but sexual perversion, Marxism, racism, and very little reading, writing, Um, Arithmetic, geography, history, the arts, all the things that make the world exciting and beautiful. All of the things that make us proud of our government history, of our country, our nation. That was once one nation under God. Children know nothing of it. These Evil people removed prayer from the schools, and look what has happened since then. They removed the saying each morning of the Pledge of Allegiance in our schools. Children are not taught American history. They are not taught how our government works or was intended to work, and now it does not work. Is the experiment failing? And is it because fathers are failing their children? I would suggest it. The world teaches that there are no absolute truths. The world teaches that God is dead. And the world says to you men, you don't need to be a father. We'll do the job for you. You just go on having fun. Watch those baseball games and football games and hockey games and, you know, gaze at everything and anything that will distract you from one of the chief duties as a father. That's what the world wants for you. And that's what I am here to fully oppose to the very best of my ability today, because that is what can save America. So forget everything that the world says to you. If the world says it, if Hillary Clinton tells you it takes a village to raise a child. You know, you have to know if you have any common sense that it does not take a village to raise a child. It takes a good father and a good mother working together. And so today, what I really do want to get into is expose what the Bible says about fatherhood. Now if you are a Christian listening today, there's a very good chance that you are deceived even as a Christian because of wrong interpretations of some critical verses of scripture and I want to share those with you because you have to get it right remember that the psalmist said that your word God, thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path so I'm really going to Hope to turn on the light today as it pertains to fatherhood. And I want you to listen carefully, and I assure you that I am also listening to the words of God, because the role of a father never ends until we take that last breath and go to our eternal destiny we have a job that needs to be done, and all the more now as we are being vilified if we are God's kind of a father. So I will challenge you today. Now, before we look at what the Bible says about fatherhood, we have to get one thing absolutely straight, and that is, men, if you are married and are raising children, your first responsibility before God is to fulfill your role as a husband first. That means you ought to love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's what we are told. And we need to understand that being the head of a household has very significant meaning. And this word head, which I'll get into a little bit, well, let me just explain it or define it right now. The word head in the Hebrew is rosh. It is Hebrew for the literal, an anatomical head on your body, the head sitting on your shoulders. That's how head is interpreted in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew. In the Greek, which is in the New Testament, in the Koine Greek, kephale is the word head, but it does not mean what probably most preachers teach from the pulpit even. It most people consider it to, to mean that the head is something that is not biblical. and you will get a false interpretation of it if you consider the head to be something as a dictatorship, as... The ruler of the household, as do it my way or no way at all, I am the boss, you will listen to me, because that's what the Bible says. If you're using those kind of terms, you are spiritually abusing your wife, and you are spiritually abusing your children, so get rid of that nonsense that is false teaching. If you want to read the word kephale and interpret it correctly in the New Testament kephale in the Greek means source. It means a point of origin or beginning. And if you're going to apply the word head to the meaning head of household, then you got to get it right and dispel. We have to dispel these false interpretations. If you want to really define head in a biblical way, and put it in modern terms, it means you are the head servant. It means you lead by example. You are the chief source of showing your children how to live a godly life. That's what the head of the household is and does according to God's design. One of the verses of Scripture that is completely perverted and distorted so many times is in 1 Corinthians, Chapter 11, verse 3, it says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, this is a hard saying, not that it's so hard to understand if you know what the word head means, but this is a hard saying because it is very easy to misinterpret if you don't know what the word kefale means it is easy to abuse and many men in the church do abuse it severely i don't think i've ever seen a woman abuse it but i have heard lots of men abuse it and when i talk of spiritual abuse let me tell you i think that is one of the worst kind of abuses possible because what flows out of spiritual abuse is all kinds of other abuse it includes verbal abuse physical abuse sexual abuse even, and we must not go there. We must understand that to be the head of a household is to be the fountainhead, the source, the primary source of how to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. That's what it means. So please, when you read 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, don't distort the meaning of that read everything that we are told about how to treat a woman as a christian husband first peter chapter 3 verse 7 calls woman in this verse peter calls woman the weaker vessel now this is an absolute scientific fact it is a true statement women are the weaker vessel in terms of muscle mass due to the effects of testosterone, the male hormone that makes men stronger. This is why men entering women's sports is so abusive to women. It denigrates women because men and women were created differently by God. And to pervert that role is to pervert God's own creation. It is a horrible thing, and we will pay a horrible price in the present time and for all eternity if we reject God and rebel against him. But let's face it, the weaker vessel is to be considered fine china. They are delicate. They are extremely beautiful. They are everything that a good woman ought to be if they choose to live that godly life in Christ Jesus. But men, are we really the stronger vessel? I mean, get rid of the testosterone and the muscle mass, right? I mean, how do we act when we are sick? I want my mommy, right? If we are shot and near death on the battlefield, we cry out for mommy. Are we really that strong? Who is the stronger encourager, usually in a family? Who is the better nurturer? Who seems to endure hardship better? Is it men or is it women? Notice, uh, please notice, what does precede the verses of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Let me just read the verse, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, Dwell with them, that is, their wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. See, we have a lot of incentive to love our wives as we ought to, because we should give them honor. And when we give our wives honor, what do you think we get in return? they are heirs together with us in the grace of life. God shows no distinction between male or female when it comes to character, when it comes to being a human being. We are all saved by grace through our faith equally. We are equal in that respect, but we do have different roles and we must acknowledge it. We must acknowledge it and we must recognize that women are a beautiful counterpart therefore men don't abuse your wife don't abuse women god will not excuse your abuse read the words of scripture thoroughly and understand them in ephesians 5:21 we are told submit to one another in the fear of god that is equal we are equal to one another in the fear of God, by his design. We are equal, but we have different roles. Ephesians five twenty two verses later, we are instructed men, or we are uh, women, excuse me, are instructed, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So, The modern vernacular means head servant. And we have proof of that through the life of Christ. Jesus washed at the feet of his own disciples, and he said to do likewise. He told them, Do likewise. We are told in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45 for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus died for our sake, husbands, and he said, do likewise. That's the kind of love we should show to our wives, and frankly, we often fail. But as soon as you understand that you must fulfill your role as a husband before you can effectively fulfill your role as a father, you're on your way to many blessings. Now, there have been some excellent books discussing the role of fatherhood. I mean, just incredible writings. Uh, if you go to the Christian uh, bookstore, CBD, Christian christianbooks.com uh, 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 or christianbookstore.com, look through all of the books written for fathers, the Christian father. They're incredible. There's some great books. There are they discuss the roles, they discuss uh, what we ought to do, how what we ought not to do. And we must remember, though, that these are all secondary sources, and we want to go to the primary source for the instruction. That's where we get our guidance from. That would be the head of knowledge of how to be a father, and that comes from the primary source, the Bible. Now, in Ephesians 6, Verse 4, we are told, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, that is a profound duty and one we should take seriously more seriously than our jobs, more seriously than our careers or our hobbies or our entertainment. We have a job to do as fathers. Colossians chapter three, verse 21 repeats the statement, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. When the Bible repeats something, it's something worth paying attention to. To provoke means to goad, to inflame, to anger, to exasperate. How do you do that, fathers? Well, you do it by improper discipline. By parental absenteeism, we also do it. By failing to love and honor your wife, you provoke your children to anger. As a medical doctor, I have dealt with this in my practice for many years, and I have seen some really messed up kids because fathers couldn't get it right. They did not understand their role as a father. And I understand some of you fathers, perhaps most of you fathers, and maybe all of you fathers have been lacking in good instruction. How do we get it right? You don't get a second chance to be a father. That's a challenge. And, And it takes a lot of wisdom to understand what we ought to be doing as fathers. If you have no instruction, you must go to the primary source for that instruction, which is the Bible. We don't get a second chance to raise our children. Children need a father's loving discipline every single day of their lives. And so I would challenge you to really understand what it means to be the head of your household fathers. It is a blessing. It is a tremendous responsibility, and it is A prime opportunity to make your family strong, to make your village strong, to make your nation strong, because a strong family does yield a strong nation. And in this day and age, we need strong families. We are being attacked every which way imaginable, and things are getting worse every single day. A lot of parents in this day and age are absolutely fearful, fearful of being a parent. Look at what mothers are facing when they try to defend their children. Look at what fathers are facing when they stand up as a father, being the lion of the household to defend and protect the family against evil. These men are being arrested sometimes. They are being prosecuted, persecuted by even some of the men in blue who have gone woke. Sin has completely permeated our society because we have fallen from God. We have fallen from grace. Is this the great apostasy that is spoken of in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? I don't know. But let me say this: it sure kind of feels like it. It is getting worse. It is getting global. There is a pandemic of morality or a pandemic of immorality that is spreading like the worst kind of a virus you could ever imagine. And it will destroy us all if we do not oppose it. So at this point in time men, it is time to learn what God has to say about being a father. Now, you can read the verses of Scripture, and as you do, you should read with understanding. Really read with understanding what exactly the Bible is teaching, because it is critical to understand that. If you go, fathers, to the book of Proverbs, what you're reading are wise words, From a father, King David, to his son, Solomon. Now, Solomon was given a very special gift by God. He was declared to be the wisest man that ever existed and that ever shall exist. When Solomon followed the words of wisdom, he did wonderful. And when he put it aside, He failed miserably at the end of his life because he failed God's design. But he was instructed by King David, and we too must instruct our own children in how to be good men and good women as they grow up. And that instruction does not start at six years old or 10 years old or 13 years old. It starts at birth with nurturing, with loving words, with repetition. And I think what I would like to do on the second half of this show is to really get into some of the practicalities of how to be a good husband. And this is taken from years of counseling fathers and mothers and children, seeing the good and the bad from reading and studying scripture for many, many years, and from myself in my personal life, experiencing some victories and some defeat. Hopefully, we learn the lessons, even the hard lessons. If we have to be taught in the school of hard knocks, let us at least learn the lessons so that we do not repeat the mistakes because a lot of us have received instruction from the wrong source from perhaps a father who was abusive who was an alcoholic or a drug abuser or who was on the road and forever absent the absent father is as destructive as the bullying father it takes a lot of wisdom it takes a lot of love It takes a lot of time and practice to be a good father. I'll take a short pause now and then get into the practicality of what it means to be a father.
1: Whether you're an independent, a Democrat or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx nasal solution cleanse. That's CofixRx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at CofixRx.com. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait
0: America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. back to the unity without compromise radio program this is dr steve latulip your host please remember that my show airs on the weekends at 5 p.m eastern time i hope you will take the time to not only listen to the program but to spread it around because this is an important message i'd also like to remind you that malcolm my producer on america out loud talk radio has Reintroduced his program. It's called Malcolm at Eight, The Voice of a Nation, and that airs at 8, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on weekdays. It also encores the following morning at eight in the morning Eastern Time. And please go to AmericaOutLoud.com to access all of our podcasts and articles previously written. We are writing the truth. We are speaking it boldly, and we are at risk for speaking the truth. That shows you how important it is to get this message out there. Today, I've been discussing the role of fathers and specifically the role of a Christian father because you want to be your best. It's really important to understand why the world actually fears the power of genuine, godly fatherhood. Now, I would like to get into some real practical aspects of parenting as a father. I want to remind you that there are some very excellent resources. A lot of you have not had any experience, any training in how to be a father. And if you are a new father in this day and age, where are you going to get instructions? Please do not take it from the government, from the schools, even be hesitant in some of the churches because many of the churches are going woke. They are putting aside the word of God which is the very standard of righteous living. Do not be led astray. Do not be deceived. A few good titles. Christian books for dads can be found if you go to christianbook.com. These Just to list a few of them, they they include dads and sons, dads and daughters, first-time dad, raising a modern-day knight, you have what it takes, dad time, 52 things daughters need from their dads. A dad after God's own heart. 30 ways a father can bless his children. Be prepared. A practical handbook for new dads. There's all kinds of great resources out there, good practical advice. But whenever you're reading an outside book, put on your discerning hat and decide for yourself, is it scriptural? Is it biblical? Because there's a lot of deceivers out there, and they are growing worse every single day. So, is Father's Day really that important? Because that's why I'm doing this program today. Well, I think that fathers are extremely important, extremely important, critical to the survival of a family, particularly in the world that we now live in, and in the situation we find ourselves in in America, yes, fathers are important. If you were to read the stats of children growing up and becoming criminals uh, when the father is absent for the home, it is astounding. The majority of children will go astray. It was mentioned in one of James Dobson's books that I read years and years ago, and it impressed upon me so so blatantly and boldly how how little time fathers actually gave to their children in an average day. Would you believe it was 17 seconds a day? Of actual eye to eye contact and verbal communication, verbal interaction. Now, that sounds absolutely crazy, but you think about it meaningful interaction where you are conveying words that a father ought to convey to his child. It is a tragedy, and we have certainly seen and reaped the harmful results from the absent father. But the belligerent, obnoxious, unruly father, the one who cannot control his tongue, the abusive father, does equally as much harm. Are you the absent father? Are you the abusive father? And how much time do you directly spend with your children each day acting as a parent? Not their buddy, but as a parent. Well, it's time to refocus. Focus on the family. Focus on being a father. Remember that it takes time to be a father. And that's practical point number one. When you are at work, you are absent. Of course, men have to work to support their families. In this day and age, too many women work to support their families. Is it wrong? No. Is there a price to be paid? Yes, especially in those early years. Young children need nurturing from a mother. But you are deceived if you think that the father can be absent. You must be in their presence. You must also be in their sphere. I'm not talking about being in the same room with your kids. I'm talking about engaging them at their level and getting into their interests and really focusing on them. Make eye contact. Speak to them. But what do you say? Well, what fathers teach their sons and daughters, they will retain for a lifetime if they are taught in the proper way. And in this day and age, what do we start with? Well, little boys and girls need to be told the obvious. Unfortunately, sadly, in this day and age, boys are boys and girls are girls. Now, if I said that publicly in the wrong place, like Oregon and or New York City, I could get thrown in jail for those words, despite the fact that it is a scientific fact. There's nothing in science that can refute that, despite the morons in the universities, the medical centers that are all into the gender identity stuff. They'll gladly cut off the genitals. They'll implant implant breasts in females. They will do anything to mutilate your children if you let them. But it will not change the fact that boys are boys and girls are girls. And we should allow them and encourage them to be so but what fathers much must teach their, their children that's what we're at today if you want to follow god's rules there are some things that you have to do and you have to train yourself to do it you have to determine to do it because you will be tired from com- coming home from work you'll you'll feel like the last thing i want to do is deal with family because i'm tired i'm burned out and after all i've done my job i'm earning the paycheck please don't ever throw that at your wife. That is abusive. And it starts, men, with loving your wife. You have to love your wife and show that love to your wife in front of your children. Your children need to see how a husband ought to love his wife. Children Just glow with happiness and joy when they see mommy and daddy kissing and hugging and loving each other and laughing together. It is so important, husbands, to love your wife. It is a choice, it is an action. It is not a feeling that does not need to be expressed. That is deception. You must convey to your children by showing them how you truly love their mommy in an appropriate way, in a wholesome way. What must fathers teach their children? Teach them about God. We are told, remember, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That's your primary role as a father the absolute primary role. You must also always remember that your children learn from their father primarily by what they observe. So you can't be a hypocrite. When you do make a mistake, you throw out a cuss word, you raise your voice and get angry, you lose control, you need to apologize to your wife, to your children, to all who are present, don't be afraid to say, I messed up. I am sorry. Those are healing words, but best yet, try hard to control your tongue. You cannot take back the words. All you can do is apologize for them. But remember that your children learn by what they observe. And what does your behavior teach them? is it needed to be changed? Do you need to unlearn perhaps what your parent, your father, your mother and father taught you as a child? What was child guidance and discipline like for you? Was it godly? If it wasn't, flush it, get rid of it and learn that your primary role is to be a father according to God's design. And what does that mean? It means you are not your child's friend, primarily, you are their father. And if I were to sum it up, I would say that there are three crucial elements in a father's role. You are disciplinarian, you are teacher, and you are protector. When it comes to discipline, then we need to get it right. You don't want to be abusive with your children. I've always said in my years of raising children that God padded the bottom for a reason. Now I'll stay right up front. I am not opposed to an occasional spanking, but it ought to be on the padded bottom with the proper love and discipline and instruction that goes with it. Never never spank a child in anger. And let me throw this in also. Please never strike a child above the shoulders. If you hit a child in the head, you show them great disrespect, dishonor. That you are turning your child into a beast. You are provoking that child to wrath, to anger if you are hitting them in the head, slapping them in the face. Thumping them on the skull. This is abusive, emotionally abusive, if not physically abusive. So please realize that we should never discipline in anger. You will have regrets if you do so. And don't raise your voice or raise your hand in anger. You will make mistakes. Much guidance is given through kids' errors they also learn by their mistakes. And we need to allow this learning process to take place. If you dare to lovingly teach your children and show them patience and take the time to instruct them and to allow those mistakes, the the requirement to ever spank your children is going to be very minimal. You want to always appeal to a child's reason, no matter what the age. And if reason fails, then you need to discern. Does it fail because of ignorance? Because they just don't know better like a toddler? Or is it rebellion? It makes a difference. You never want to strike a child, spank them because of ignorance. If they don't know better, they must be taught with words, with hugs, With loving instruction, that is part of discipline. The word discipline derives from the word teaching. So let's teach them. And in the teaching, when you have given instruction, when it pertains to moral things, ethical things, right and wrong behavior, then you must always hold a child accountable for their actions and give them practice to make the right choice. And if they choose wrongly, then let there be some negative consequences. Be creative in this. What does your child really like to do, really want? What toy does he want to play with? And deprive it from them as punishment. That will teach them a lot. And above all, as you discipline and guide your children in the way they ought to go, be consistent. It's important to be consistent every time. And dads, I know what it's like to come home exhausted and to have to be consistent when you feel like saying, hook, I'm too tired to deal with this. I'm just going to let this go. You know, that's that takes sacrifice and the sacrifice is well worth it. And another crucial point is that you must have a united front among both parents. Both parents must agree on the discipline. Moms tend to be too soft. Dads tend to be too hard. Not always, but that's a trend because of our nature. Mothers are nurturers. Dads are the, the pounding thumpers, the, the one with the authority of the father. Um, don't abuse it either way because being too lax will create rebellion in a child, and being too strong can also create rebellion in a child if they are brutally, harshly disciplined. Both are an evil that should be avoided, but you must have a unified front because when two parents are unified, then the t- child cannot triangle. And triangling involves uh, uh, placing one, one, parent in opposition to the other. You don't want a child to have the opportunity to triangle. And so you must be unified together. And when you are talking about child discipline, you should do it behind closed doors when the children are not present. If you're going to argue, discuss, debate, let it be in the absence of the children. What do you teach them, fathers? teach them the bible teach them the bible this is the most important thing in the world and if you've never got your nose into the bible it is time right now start learning with them teach them the basics of education you cannot count on the schools teach them don't be afraid to teach them reading writing arithmetic those three basics teach them american history and geography and science and the arts Teach them to your full capability, and don't be afraid to learn something new yourself. It is good for the brain. It is good for the human soul to learn. And please, in your teaching, show them that learning is fun. Show them how to appreciate music and art. Have them pick up a musical instrument, and when they start playing it out of tune, offbeat, dance in front of them. Show them how happy you are because they are playing music. Teach them that God does want us to have laughter in our lives. Laughter, humor does good like medicine. The arts are therapeutic. Good music is good for the soul. Beautiful art is good for the soul because it points to the creativity of God Himself. Teach them also survival skills, how to raise food for sustenance such as raising a garden. I'll be raising uh, chickens and rabbits and ducks with my grandchildren, and it's going to be fun showing them how to process meat for the family. Show them how to shoot a rifle and a pistol, to how to handle a weapon safely and with accuracy. Aim small, miss small. These are important things to teach your children, and they are seldom taught any longer. Teach them frugality. This has been something completely un-American, but now as we are being pinched by our government, it is becoming essential. Children must learn how to be wise with their finances, how not to waste, how to conserve resources, and how to get by with less, how to live a simpler life. There is joy in that. If they aren't taught these things, then they are going to be handicapped, as most children are these days. Face it, being a father is a world of opportunity. Another very important thing, after being the good parent that fulfills the role as a father by disciplining and by instructing them, Then comes another third and very important role to a child, and that is protection. This is an essential fatherhood role. Frankly, mothers are shaming us right now. It is mothers who are fighting. The mother bears, the mama bears are out there fighting for their kids. I see way too few fathers getting involved. I know we're working. We are busy. We are tired. Get over it. The times demand our focus and attention and our energy on something that is critical. You dads are the primary protector of your family. That includes your wife and your children. Fathers need to join the fight against children being sexually abused by school teachers, by bullies, and by anyone who threatens their well-being and their innocence. Beware. Beware sexual perverts. Dad is coming for you if you hurt my kid. Beware brainwashers in the schools. If you teach my children the the doctrine of demons, I'm coming for you. We need as fathers to be protectors of our children. Now, my kids are raised, they're all grown up. But let me tell you something. Grandfathers count too on Father's Day. The importance of a grandfather being involved in their grandchildren's lives is extremely important. It's very sad that I see so many grandparents so caught up in their own lives that they have no time to spend or in their view, maybe to waste on these little bratty kids that are sloppy and that are acting like kids. I don't have the time or patience for it. What a sad testimony. Parenting never goes away when you have grandkids or great-grandchildren. It is important. If you're retired, you have more time. You can certainly make more time if you choose, if those grandchildren are important to you. You have a lot of life experience And that is your gift to your children. So please use the gift, grandfathers. My role as a grandfather includes teaching my grandchildren the Bible, the greatest book in the world. I'll be homeschooling my grandchildren. I am often their counselor. I shall be their fishing buddy as they grow up. I will teach them life skills and be their educator. I'll show them how to raise and butcher chickens and rabbits, how to grow a garden effectively, how to do woodworking and some of the trades, and I will be their protector. I will win their love and their trust and never, never betray them. It is too important. Grandchildren are a very wise investment. And all the more so if instability exists in their immediate families. Grandparents, grandfathers can make all the difference in how a child turns out. So please do not miss that opportunity. Do not be too busy. Time is our most valuable commodity. And when you tell your children or your grandchildren or great-grandchildren that you don't have time, To spend with them, it's the same thing as saying, I don't love you. Because that's exactly what you're telling them. To a child, love equals time. You earn their admiration by being the parent in presence, focused on them, engaged, actively involved in their lives to the best of your abilities, however you can do it. And so with that, I say to all Good fathers everywhere, I pray God's blessing on you. I pray that he will give you strength, gentleness, fierceness in the face of your enemies, kindness, humility, and above all, a love for God, family, and country. Please, men, fathers, do your best, and you'll have no regrets. Consider the returns on this tremendous investment. And know that God will certainly reward your faithfulness. Your children will be equipped to face the crazy, evil world in which we now live. And they will carry the torch when you are old. One generation, that's all it takes. It takes one generation to win or lose our nation. And our enemy knows that all too well. Fathers, you do make all the difference. Happy Father's Day. This is Unity Without Compromise. I'm Dr. Steve Latulip. Thanks for joining me today. Have a blessed week. Adieu.